Talks on psychoanalysis, shares topics published in the IPA Society journals and Congress debates worldwide, brought to you in the voices of the original authors. We hope this window will allow you to experience the depth and breadth of psychoanalytic thought around the world. I am Gaetano Pellegrini and in this episode we listen to Martina Bourdet talking about her book Love in the Time of the Internet, Do You Love Me or Do You Follow Me? This was written as a response to the increasing number of patients she has seen over recent years who are experiencing problems in their lives that seem to come at the crossroad between the intrapsychic world and the social environment, digital revolution and virtual reality. She wrote the book as a psychoanalyst for psychoanalysts, but it is also intended for a wider public interested in psychoanalysis. In it, she combines psychoanalytic theory with what she calls ordinary stories, that is, stories of patients who describe how they can, or actually they cannot, love in the time of the internet. Martina Bourdet is a training analyst for the Psychoanalytic Association of Madrid and member of the Psychoanalytic Society of Paris. She is the chief executive of the e-journal Psychoanalysis Today, former general secretary of the APF and the current chair of its working group on remote analysis. My book, Love in the Time of the Internet, puts love into a specific time, the time of the Internet, the time of social media, also known as hypermodernity. My hypothesis is that in this time, this digital age, we are now facing a new order of love, a paradigmatic change in which the other of the contact has been turned into someone without characteristic, banal, replaceable, interchangeable, a disposable commodity, creating a situation in which the connection replaces the relationship, usually in love. The choice of the object contains both a narcissistic element and a desire for difference, but now the second part seems to be increasingly more absent. For this reason, I wrote my subtitle, Do you love me or do you follow me, using the symbol at to replace the O in love. This graph, on the very word love, sacrifices orthodox grammar and mixes languages and their underlining meanings as exponents of the world in which we are immersed, a world crossed by at, devoid of feelings. In this time of selfies and of the technological revolution, when the at sign pierces amar in Spanish or love in English, Narcissus becomes the prototype of love for oneself in a negative version of contempt for the other, at the same time that Eros is dying. Followers or just plain sex are often preferred to love. The motto to be seen or die, it's what rules. Apps 
and technological tools are increasingly used for narcissistic purpose. This contacting other enable oneself to feel in company, which can soothe, excite, depress, console, make oneself feel important or a nobody. Having networks of followers or obtaining likes serves a successful or failed mirrored narcissistic function. Knowing that oneself is followed, what, whether this on social media, publication pages or even reality shows, becomes the mother of the existence. On one level, this leads to an enhanced capacity for self-procreation in a sense of building oneself. Online, creating one's own personal brand and denying the sexual and generational differences. I question the limit between normalcy and pathology. I suggest that for an increasing number of people, the staring at the screen, the notification of likes, becomes as vital as the gaze of the first object mother and is equally dramatic if it disappears. In the book, I explore how this yielding of errors to the follower is an opportunity to think deeply about many topics. However, here I will limit my discussion to two of them. First, the importance of the online versus the real physical body in the same place or not. Second, the question of time. To take the first question with regard to the body, in this world of the internet, the flesh body, the body in the flesh, has become more absent in a real shared space, but more present in a space mediated by technology. On screens or phones, creating an illusion of reality. This allows a range of possibilities, from passion to its opposite. Passion blooms exactly because of the absence of the body and a situation where everyone can project his own ideals and desires without limit and feels that projections as real. The opposite is also true because of the lack of body. The relationship is more fragile, limited to its connective aspect and a lack of interest in the other. The cases in this book show how the gadget or the machine can become, on one hand, a love object, and on the other hand, appear as an ego body extension. Some object, as goal of drives, can be transformed, wrapped in an undeniable sensoriality. Think about the anxiety you feel when you lose your cell phone. And that is not even to mention the silicone of sex dolls being mixed 
with real bodily flesh. In addition, the availability of 24-7 networks is contributing to many cases of people who are incapable of elaborating loss and separation, as instead they find on the internet images to substitute for this loss. With an antidepressant function, it is as if nothing has been lost, as if one human being can repair the loss of another, because one equates another, just like merchandise. This seems to be connected to the current social imperative to enjoy oneself without limit. Carpe diem. This brings me to my second point, time. In my experience, as an analyst but also as a human part of this present world, we are facing a very new aspect of time marked by an eternal presentism, a term coined by François Hartog to describe the view that only present things exist, that neither the future or the past matters or exists. This is an enormous paradigm shift and very different to the perspective of psychoanalysis. Time in psychoanalysis is at the same time a developmental linear perspective, but also always a dialectic between an after and a before. In psychoanalysis, the quality of the present time is dependent on its relationship with the past. The history of the subject is the result here and now of the working through of the subject's history, which carries the marks of both passing time and resignifying time. For Freud, this is a linear perspective from the start. There is a baby crossed by the first object discourse and adult sexuality, a sexuality always traumatic. And beyond the pleasure principle, he opens the door for other theory on the origin of traumas. Childhood has to pass through developmental stages. This is the logic of there and then, which means a causal thinking. The existential limitation framing life produce so much anxiety that they can seldom be accepted, even though the human being is always subject to physical, sexual and psychic aging and the anxiety that this entail the mandate of enjoyment wants to ignore the inevitable, the passing of time and death as an, an universal wound. Nowadays, we are prone, as never before, to live in the present, solely in the present, without any reference to the past or the future. It is this loss of meaning of historical continuity, this erosion of the sense of belonging to a series of generations rooted in the past and extending into the future. Our sense of history has been deserted. 
and this links back to the body. The illusion of no corporeality in cyberspace can be created and maintained thanks to its challenge to history, the subject's history. Our temporal connection, that is, the fundamental connection between present and past, and the body we live in, anchored in the passing of time, provides a sense of continuity of who we are through our history and ties us to others on whom we once depended or still perhaps depend. But this dialogue between past and present is altered in the online world, and so therefore is the relationship between the individual and reality and also the relationship with the other. There is a very wide-ranging discussion to be had on this new aspect of time, but here I limit myself to an examination of presentism and acceleration in the here and now, meaning the trauma in dialogue with psychic reality. This seems important to me because presentism, acceleration, and the overexcitement of mm, any current situation are the opposite of time as psychoanalytic theory and technique conceive it. The psychoanalytic cure needs time for its development, both for the psychic process and for the establishment of the psychoanalytical bond. Accelerated time is therefore often opposed to analytical time, the psychic reality that comes from accelerated social time often opposes and defeats the analytical request and the experience of the other that is necessary for psychic building and the analytical cure. Accelerated time is the enemy of desire. Desire is related to time, to the ability to anticipate something and preparing to obtain future satisfaction. Today, on the contrary, what is mainly practiced is the pleasure brought by speed and by quantity, the enjoyment of speed, endless travel, or continuous sexual affair brings thrilling sensation of power, which substitute the reality of a true other who requires time to be known and even more time to be known in death. Speed and instant quantity short-circuit desire. Love drowns or dilutes among so much connection and supply. The fascination for novelty a novelty that must always be reinvented is never completely fulfilling, just as the little child is never satisfied with toys and throws them away, one after the other, without even having time to see them. In this world, enjoyment substitutes desire. As we flee, loneliness and grief, and we connect searching behind the screen for the compensation of 
an absence. To continue this thought, the post-millennial generation Z doesn't like to interact face-to-face. For them, an image is worth a thousand words. They prefer to keep the other at the distance. Today, especially for younger members of society, the parodying has shifted from depth to a flat and rigid surface, the surface of the screen. This word, I postulate, is one that generates trauma by its production of endless, non-metabolizable energy. It is a way of acting in order to avoid thinking and or acting because trauma cannot be thought. It is acting to discharge, to relax through avoiding thought. It is acting loaded with meaning, but it is a knowledge unknown, not known in the sense of not conscious, a sort of absent mind, past, present, future. Condensation. What is actual is the collapse of thought. There is no time for suffering. We buy another dog after the first one dies. Or we go out to forget about our pain. Or we look for a face among thousands at the distance of a click on a page chosen ad hoc. This word favors what is known as act pathology, pathology de l'acte, and other problems such as major depression, limit states, and somatization. These characteristics go along with an increasing inability to suffer and to elaborate losses and the failure of the structuring masochism, which requires a minimum tolerance of frustration in order for a psyche to form, with no tolerance for frustration nor the capacity to elaborate losses. What I call a melancholization of how time takes place. Living in a time that never passes is equal to remaining stuck in a state of melancholic grief since this is the definition of melancholy itself, as opposed to grief where loss is elaborated. In a melancholic state, the past does not go away. It becomes a continuous present, repeating compulsively. The repetition is performed in acts as act with defensive functions, that evidence the trauma of the situation, acts that are precisely the antithesis of thought, acts that simply present themselves as such, creating a reality that is very distant from psychic reality, an act that is related to something lethal because of repeats the identical, non-elaborated thing. It is the place where the distance between psychic and somatic is thinner. This compulsion for repetition is opposed to simple repetition, whose goal is to elaborate facts and experiences. It occurs when a human subject has suffered such 
early trauma that elaboration has not been possible. A name could not be given to it, and the psyche has remained imprisoned in the time of the wound, when the subject narcissism has remained wound due to faults of their early object, who have not been able to make a rosal terrible, but the subject, the latter tends to disinvest the object and remain submerged in an overarousal. The subject then can no longer temporalize. I'm present, condemned to an eternal present, which not only makes the thinking activity impossible, but also leaves drives very near its strong anchorage on the over aroused body, which does not find a way to cling to a representation of its feeling and tends to manage the recovery of the energy saturation through the shortest path, acting and thinking as little as possible. Is this not what is increasingly occurring in our world of online connection in which so many remain fixed and to the repetition of the present without past or future? In conclusion, the problem is that in this world of digital dating and online relationships, was its absent of the date is the differentiated other desired and loved for their difference and complexity for their own qualities in its replace emerge various forms of election of doubles of self worship of exhibitionism. The follower is an anonymous follower with a rising value in a world where what matters is to be seen, to be followed, or to be connected. In this world, both subject and object, stripped in what makes them individual, risk becoming simply data. The difficulty for love that I explore in my book escapes from the other because of combined early and environmental traumas, looking for tools that momentarily soothe but which actually increase the problem. The healing response that comes from being able to be thought by another psyche doesn't exist in these circumstances. This is why I think that psychoanalysis has a very real contribution to make in these cases, both in order to understand and help a psyche submerged in a very particular reality.